TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. He brings the passion. For what? I want to know now. I'm, I'm mentally invested. Don't tell me to pray and you don't say what for. He brings the perspective. Yeah, I I they both have great point get off me text line uh, he's truly one of a kind that is wow oh my god oh. and he's doing a great job i okay. need you to man up and say what you really want to say i mean you're doing a great job and together they are stiny and guru yeah on 95.7 the game hi again everybody and filling in for stiny and guru Alongside my man Sterling Bennett, it is Dan Devone as we continue to bask in the glow following a 31-13, another dominant victory on the part of the San Francisco 49ers, improving to 8-3, clearly in the driver's seat out there in the NFC West. Now, walking down them Philadelphia Eagles, Sterling your thoughts, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Had a wonderful Thanksgiving with the family. Had an early birthday celebration for myself. Uh, it's on Tuesday. Got a brand new Drake Greenlaw jersey, so I'm feeling pretty great. Watched the Niners boat race the Seahawks last night. Uh, now it's Black Friday. People are going crazy trying to buy stuff, punching people. And now we're in here talking Niner football after a win. Uh, I could not be happier to be on with you today, Dan. Well, that's what you do is don't be a coconut and get out there this morning and deal with all of the nonsense that Black Friday provides. And or, you know, I see these these poor people, not poor, but poor, I want to see the poor, poor bastards, there you go, that are in line the day before Thanksgiving loading up on cranberries and trying to get that pumpkin pie filling, man. Do that two weeks in advance. What you do today is you put your feet up, you talk 49er football exactly. and about a team that right now is – I use that dominant word, but Sterling, that's – It's true. There's no better way to describe the way this team has performed over the last three weeks since the yeah. three-game losing streak. It feels like they needed a reset after the bye, came out, just annihilated Jacksonville, took it to Baker Mayfield last week, and coming into Seattle short week, you had to ask yourself – uh, they lost to Funga against the Bucks. How is that going to work with the defense? And it felt like they didn't miss a beat. Took it to Seattle, ate some turkey on the 50-yard line, got their revenge for 2014, and got their first Thanksgiving Day victory since 1972. If that isn't something to celebrate and pop some bottles for, I don't know what is. 1972? I wasn't born yet. My brother was two years old. That's how long it's been. And... It's flipped. This script is flipped as far as, oh, it's Seattle and Pete Carroll owned yeah. Shanahan and, oh, God, out there and playing in Transylvania in that cold and sideways <laughs> wind and rain, which wasn't evident yesterday. Nah, forget about it. Forget about it. All right? This is a different era. They're 4-0 now. Gino, you've never beat the San Francisco 49ers. Hey, look at me. I, if you've ever listened to me and the shows that I've done here, I'm not even a Niner fan, so I'm giving you the objective lens. I don't jump on that bandwagon, but I know dominance when I see it. Let's start with the offense, all right? And we got to start with the young man out of Iowa State and Brock Purdy, as we always do. And I know it's getting to the point where people are like, enough, enough. I thought the Brock Purdy performance yesterday was the best I've seen this year. Wow. Maybe the best I've seen since he's taken over, and here's why. More you, than last week? You can have your, your QBR. You can have your perfect quarterback rate. That's great, all right? I still have no idea how you figure that crap out. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. 
Fantastic. Now you put yourself in the same sentence as that of Joe Montana and Steve Young. But let me see you get on the road. Okay. Let me see you do it in front of the 12. Let me see you do it against a rival, that being the Seattle Seahawks. And let me see you do it with some adversity, which he did. He hmm. threw the pick. That's a football game. Forget about the perfection of a week ago. Overcoming adversity. Because what it is with this guy, Sterling, it's about the hurdles that he continues to have to jump and clear in order to be anointed, I think, throughout the country as far as being that legitimate, whether you want to call mm-hmm. him an MVP or whether you want to call him one of the best that can lead that team to a Super Bowl. And I think yesterday was another challenge. Yesterday provided adversity, and once again, he answered the bell. I would disagree in the fact that yesterday maybe was his— It's never a good way to start the show at <laughs> the Kahuna. It was, I don't think yesterday was his best performance— I would also say that I don't really think they needed him to be great to win that game. Seattle comes in, they're banged up. Geno Smith, he's hurt himself. They don't have Kenneth Walker. San Francisco could have won that game, dare I say, with Sam Darnold. Now, I'm not taking anything away from what Brock Purdy did, had the amazing touchdown to Brandon Ayuk in between four Seahawks defenders to ice the game and call it a night, but it didn't feel like San Francisco needed a great Brock Purdy performance to win that game. Now, that doesn't mean that he wasn't good. I do think that the adversity he had to face was a little of the offense's own fault, getting in their own way. It backed up against your own end zone. You throw two passes back-to-back. The first one wasn't great. Second one gets uh, picked off for a touchdown. Like That's kind of your own unraveling, but they pick things back up. If you want to call that adversity, I wouldn't say that, but... They find a way to win by 18 points, but I would not say that was his best performance of the entire year so far. He well, was perfect last week. I get it. I think we're looking at the. I'm looking at this through a different prism when you talk about best. Yes, statistically, he doesn't get any better than the yeah. 158 points. Like, literally perfect. By the way, whoever this dude is or this <laughs> team that comes up with a quarterback rating. Yeah, it's weird. I have no idea how you arrive at this. I want to see like 20, 20 or 60 minutes launch an investigation, one of those investigative teams to like find the evidence and go through the clues and spend like months to hunt this person down. I guarantee they'll you kick down the, the door. You want the ESPN 360? They'll <laughs> kick down the door. It's going to be some dude in his mom's basement drinking a beer, watching games, going, ah, you bust. I'm busted. This is, I just throw out this number every week. Isn't that how Florio started? Exactly. In his mom's basement doing but, blogs? And Florio's a monster right yeah, now. Yeah, he's great. He owns the NFL. I don't know if he's great. He's on the NPF well, list. We don't need to He has a big audience is what I'll say. But here, here's what I want to say about Purdy. He doesn't get any better than, yeah. In term, I'm not a stack guy. You know that. I'm not a gearhead. I don't get into all the numbers. But what I like, not only does he have to deal with adversity, because this is, this is how you cut your teeth, because now you're going into Philadelphia, and everybody's going to be keeping an eye on this Sunday as Philadelphia has oh, to yeah. take on Buffalo. Should Philadelphia lose to Buffalo? Now number you're talking seed. about the number one seed. So <laughs> a lot, a lot. And even if they win, this is what you need to see from Brock Purdy, doing it on the road, coming after throwing the pick and playing well. And I, I got it. Listen, maybe I'm just – maybe I'm overreacting today. I thought it was his best performance this year, and I also felt that that pass to Brandon Ayuk oh, was, great. was the best he's ever thrown. The, the best he's ever thrown? Yeah. It was a great pass in between four defenders, mind you, to, again, seal the game. But we did see him throw a 69-yard touchdown pass to Kittle and then a 79-yard touchdown pass or 76-yard touchdown pass to Ayuk for a touchdown. Those are go routes, though. Yeah. So if, if Ayuk's got to step on a guy, it's just let her go, put it on beautiful broke, pass, broke his ankles. location. <laughs> beautiful, <Literally>. beautiful location, <laughs> beautiful ball placement. But rolling left, getting pressured, and yeah, those layered point. throws – Especially yeah. when you think about this, is we're just going to put you to bed, Seattle. And when you heard Kyle Shanahan afterwards saying, you know what, it was another one of those, oh, no, do not throw that. You yeah. cannot get that in there. You could check it down. This kid it's supposed to, to be go, a check down. <laughs> no doubt. Sterling, this guy, he's, he wants to play for the Jugular. You could look at him and think he's yeah. the paper boy next door, but this guy like is looking to slice and dice you. I do think a lot of the hesitation around him is the way he's built, how he looks. He's tinier, he's smaller. He does give me, dare I say, a little Russell Wilson vibes early in his career. He's quick on his feet. Uh, He isn't afraid to take a deep shot downfield. He feels like a stone-cold killer where if you give him a chance, he is going to take that shot downfield and he's going to beat you. And it feels like the past month or so, uh, maybe outside of the Bengals game, it feels like Brock Purdy has, I don't want to say 
gone to a, a, the next level of play, but he has certainly turned things up to where you're sitting back saying, wow, uh, they could have wrapped up the entire NFC West last night. And to go out there, you need a touchdown, your defense gets a massive stop, uh, you have to score, put this game away, you score here, game is over, ice in his veins, he's putting him in there, touchdown to Ayuk, game over. They're eating turkey. They're sharing turkey with the fans. They're throwing it in in the stands, and fans are eating turkey legs. That's how great last night was. The reps, Sterling, with this kid. The more he does it, the more he does it in hostile environments, it expedites the growth. And quite frankly, there's not a lot from which we can you know, deemed this guy needs to get that much better. We, you can't necessarily recognize, well, this is what he needs to improve on, or he needs to do this, he needs to work on that. He's basically got everything down, but all of this, the reps specifically, make this guy a better quarterback. And why I point out that pass, first of all, to Brandon Ayuk, to throw that thing on that boot, moving left, throwing back right, in that window around four defenders, four, <laughs> and to, those throws are throws that you have to, not that everybody can afford and or get an opportunity to watch these things from ground level, but if you're at a game and you see somebody do that, you really respect the ability and the skill set to be able to fit that in there. We always talk about, oh, it's a nice throw, dropped it in front of a, you know, beyond the linebackers in front of the safety. What he did, that's, there's a very few. I would say you put him in that maybe five to seven quarterbacks that can make that throw. And here's where I want to go with the reps. As he plays more, and especially when he plays, again, away from home at a place like that of Seattle, he's going to have to do it out in Philadelphia, and I think he can't wait to get back in front of those nuts out there in Philadelphia where everybody's like six feet at birth just crushing hoagies and doing what they do. Jeez. <laughs> Hassan Reddick blew him up. Remember last Yo, year? Oh, yeah. And that was the end of the day. NFC Championship. Mm-hmm. Screwed up his elbow. He's still not, I don't know if he's at 100%, but he's still gaining strength in that elbow. The they said it's gotten stronger. It's getting stronger. The subtleties of just Tom Brady had this down pat. So did Ben Roethlisberger. Brady's not going to throw from different platforms. He's not getting the corner on you. He's not Lamar Jackson. But just move up in that pocket yeah. by a foot or two. Ben Roethlisberger would just slide. Just slide to your left. Slide to your right. Buy yourself that extra second, second and a half. That's what this kid's doing. Hassan Reddick can come off the edge next week. He's not blowing him up. Interesting. Because Brock Purdy is aware now. Now, look, at somebody gets you on the blind oh, side, yeah. you know, Trent Williams misses a block, you're always vulnerable. But he's beginning now to recognize the subtleties, the nuance of the position, to go along with everything else. And that is what's becoming very evident to me. Well, it's almost like we already knew he could play. But now, like you said, he's gaining the experience in the NFL. So if you can already play and you can make these throws, and and like the YouTube chat brought to you by First NorCal Credit Union says, those are chemistry throws. These guys are going out there because they have uh, the camaraderie. They like Brock Purdy knows where Brandon Ayuk is going to be on every single route. How many times have we seen this year where Ayuk's not even open? And he's already throwing the football with anticipation. And it's out five, you know, five seconds before Ayuki even makes a cut and boom, right to him for 15, 20 yards. Like the way these guys play is in sync at almost every single level. And I think last year we saw how great the offense was. This year, now they have the camaraderie and the chemistry, an entire offseason, 11 games now where it's like, yeah, they should be taking this thing up a step. And I think last night. The motto really wasn't go out there and beat Seattle. It's let's get through Seattle because we got Philadelphia in 10 days. Like, I don't think, at least I didn't take Seattle too seriously. I understand it's Pete Carroll in Seattle, Lumen Field, the 12s, and they got that juju up there. They got the voodoo donuts doing something to you. I get it. But I didn't really take this Seattle team that seriously. I really don't think the Niners did either. They knew they could beat them. They should have beat them by more points last night. They left points on the board for the third straight week in a row. I think their mind was get through Seattle. We got Philadelphia in 10 days. You do. I still think that Seattle was a game that I, – I, if you're trying to tell me they were looking past Seattle, like Not that was past. a trap game, I don't know if I could go there. I think anytime Seattle's on the docket, it's Thanksgiving. You get up for it. Yeah, and the whole country's watching. What I would say about Philadelphia, for those of you and Sterling, I'd like to get your thoughts on this. The MVP talk, I don't oh. go down that road because it really doesn't mean anything at the end of the day. Hmm. 
What Brock Purdy is, he's the best quarterback to execute what it is that Kyle Shanahan wants to do. He's the best quarterback that Kyle Shanahan has had, once again, philosophically, from a schematic standpoint, to execute his offense. That's all you need to know. But if you want to entertain, is he the best player in the NFL? I think statistically, I maybe you can, you can make that case. But I will say this, that the coming out party will be Philadelphia. If he hasn't already come out? He Well, I'm talking about for every all the doubters. Okay, okay. So if you go beyond, like, and there's still a lot here. The, the people who say you have to beat Philadelphia to prove yourself. Well, it's not even that. I think that for those that aren't familiar with Brock Purdy, okay. say those that are in Pocatello, Idaho, and don't follow the 49ers, <laughs> or just marginal fans, or people that think, yeah, that little dude is just Kyle Shanahan, man. Anybody could be the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. It's plug and play. This is the stage. I think they'll... That's one of those marquee matchups in the regular season where even if you're not a Philadelphia Eagle or a 49er fan, you'll watch that game. This is one of those chances for him to do his thing. And I think that if he plays, and I have no doubt that he will, the type of football that Brock Purdy has exhibited up to this point, you're going to see a lot more momentum for him to be the MVP or at least to jump into that category that, hey, this dude is legit. Are you upset that that game has not been flexed to primetime? Yeah. Like, it's kind of ridiculous that that game, which is in itself already a rematch of what was going to be the best game last season outside of the Super Bowl, is played at 125 in Philadelphia. But that's in 10 days, whatever. I think what Brock Purdy did last night, again, I don't think it was his best day, but to give what you're saying, credence, that going into Lumen Field, you have the 12s. I had friends there last night that were like, oh, your entire team is just Christian McCaffrey. And yeah, it really is a lot of Christian McCaffrey. He was great last night. But I don't think we can discredit, even on Brock Purdy's, again, not best day, the small things he does, the nuances he has, the presence he has, just the wherewithal to just step in the pocket, hit Ayuk open with anticipation. What he does is, it's kind of... You can't put it in a box score because it's so many small nuanced things to like that flip throw to Christian McCaffrey going down on his knees. That's Mahomes level stuff. And you're just like, if that's the elite level thing we're going to see, like wrap it up. Like this game is over with 21 of 30 for 209 yards. He throws the one touchdown. He throws the one interception. That's a good point because Brock Purdy, he's always just fundamentally, you know, if you were to, Take a video of this guy, and you're a coach at the high school or even lower level, and you're like, this is the way you want to play the position. Again, the optics, he's not 6'4". He's not Justin Herbert. He's not Tom Brady. He doesn't have those pro prototypical dimensions. But the eyes are always downfield, and he's always got the proper footwork. There were times, and you know me, I love me some Jimmy Garoppolo. But Jimmy Garoppolo, if he got off his spot, it was over with. You would see him throw off that back foot, or he would even get happy feet. Oh, yeah. This late into his career, there was just like, before the ball was even released, you could just say to yourself, oh, I don't know. Or, you know, back where my family's from in Jersey, oofa. <laughs> like, this is not going to work out well. I was waiting for well. that today. <laughs> so, Purdy will, will throw a pick. He's a quarterback. Yeah. They he all throw picks. did last night. But he is a guy that you just, his wherewithal and just the, the subtleties that you're mentioning, He's got that down. This dude's footwork, his base, his release points. There's a sense of confidence. Again, yep. the optics suck on this guy. I get it, man. <laughs> He's barely six feet on a good day. But just look at the results. And at this juncture, who cares who's on that bandwagon or not? Who cares if right. he's the MVP? If you're a Niner fan, there's nobody, and I mean Patrick Mahomes included, you want quarterbacking the San Francisco 49ers if you want to win that elusive Super Bowl. Does it? Would I be wrong in saying that winning in Seattle, which has eluded this team for so long, this is the first time they've won back-to-back -back games in Seattle literally ever, ever. Did it last year, clinch the division, Thursday Night Football, did it last night, first time ever. It feels like that winning in Seattle, even though maybe the Seahawks aren't that great of a team this year, they could easily be 6-8 and eight in the next month. And we're sitting here saying, wow, what kind of frauds they were. But it feels as if winning in Seattle means so much more to San Francisco just because the history there, 
they beat us on Thanksgiving in 2014. Ate Thanksgiving turkey on our field. With tables. Right. Getting revenge last night. It feels like that may... Not that it's a Super Bowl win or equal to that, but it feels as if there is this, like, we got you back. Like, finally, we, we've got the vengeance we've needed for so long against you. Like, a win in Seattle means almost everything to Niner fans. Which I don't blame them, but it feels like, that's great and all. You, you, beat, you beat a good team, I guess, in Seattle, but it's like, this win means everything to us. It's eradicating some demons. Yeah. And next up is Philadelphia. I think that... What they're doing, what they're letting everybody know, there's a new sheriff in town. You cannot mess with this team. Going back to the NFC Championship game and Richard Sherman when he was with Seattle and Crabtree, the histrionics are not good when you think about the San Francisco 49ers in Seattle. But Russell Wilson isn't there anymore. No. And a lot of that, I don't know if it was Seattle, Sterling, as much as it was Russ. It's probably Russ. Especially in that fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. And Russell owned San Francisco. Geno Smith. He's been good. He's a reclamation project. Hats off to the guy, Journeyman, who just toiled around the NFL for years, and now Pete Carroll saw something in him. But he can't beat the 49ers. And the 49ers this year, you could talk about yesteryear and you could talk about 2014 and the Thanksgiving out in Santa Clara and the disrespect that Seattle. I loved it, though, what Seattle showed and pissing off 49er fans. But San Francisco is just simply telling everybody, that you cannot compete with us. Your buddy was talking about, oh, you're all about Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> They're too much, Sterling. At the end of the day, you know what they remind me of? They remind me of a Warrior team, just to make the analogy with Golden State. Yeah. When the Warriors won an NBA championship with just Steph, Clay, and Draymond, and Iguodala gets the MVP. They're the champions. They're the best. And they go out, and they get Kevin Durant. Like, now it's like, this is a super team. Hmm. When you look at the 49ers offensively, you think Christian... Lock up Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> we'll throw shallow crosses, crosses to Debo. We'll yeah. go to Kittle. Purdy will beat you. There's just too many weapons. Brandon Ayuk had the one catch aside from the touchdown. He was pretty much silenced yeah. yesterday, but he was the big player a week ago. And that's not even the defense yet. We'll that's get just, to just the, the offense. <laughs> we'll get to the defense, but this is, you know, this is much more than you know. Christian McCaffrey will yeah. go as far as he takes us. Yeah, I mean, it's. It's one of those things where any given Sunday, one of them is going to beat you, whether it's Purdy himself or whether it's Kittle or Ayuk or Debo. But the win last night in Seattle, and I'm not sure if you caught this stat, but last night, Christian McCaffrey, he broke the Niners' franchise record for single rushing touchdowns in a year. With 11, he outran Frank Gore and he outpaced Roger Craig. Like, what Chris McCaffrey has done, which first I was shocked it was that low, but he's outpacing should-be Hall of Famers, future Hall of Famers. Like, what he's been able to do, like, I don't want to compare this team to the Montana years and the Dynasty years, but it feels as if you have transplanted that version of Niners offensive football over to the 21st century, and we're seeing it play out in front of us today. Like, it's incredible. Every single player can beat you on... Ross Dwelly is getting catches. Charlie Warner is getting catches. You ask anybody in the entire world, do you know those guys are the same? Nope, I have no idea who that is. They're making second and third tight ends get first down. Juwan Jennings runs past and breaks through seven tackles last night on third different phases of the defense to get a first down. Like, this team wants it. It feels like more than anybody out there usually. Christian McCaffrey, 19 carries for the 114 yards. He got into the end zone twice. I don't know if the word smart is really applicable to running backs. Usually they apply that to quarterbacks. and But he's just a cerebral runner. The way that dude you – know, I think Collinsworth talked about this on the broadcast last night, that there's a different running style. They, they, these running backs today sort of take this bunny hop and looking for the scene. Yeah, it's like the, the Le'Veon Bell style. You jump, you jump, and then you go. And the patience. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell, that's a great analogy. But his, just his patience to wait for that little crease – and that little opening, and then the explosion along with the balance and everything else. And remember how good Elijah Mitchell was before Three he years arrived? Ago. Yeah. Elijah Mitchell was your guy, except he couldn't stay on the field. Yeah. But now you can see when Elijah Mitchell comes into the game, he's still good, but you yeah. can see the subtle drop-off, right? Oh, yes. All right, we're going to continue with the talk with the San Francisco 49ers. Big winners yesterday. Hit us up, 888 It's Dan Avone alongside Sterling Bennett. We're in today for Steiny and Guru talking about a Niner team now that improves to 8-3, and three, sets the stage for the big, big showdown that's coming up 
next weekend in Philadelphia when they take on the Eagles. I'll put it out there. Can they beat Philadelphia? A reminder, this segment is brought to you by Flag and Anthem. We'll be back with much more on the day after Thanksgiving. It's Black Friday. Are you out there elbowing people? Get home, put your feet up, get a cold one, listen to us. We'll be back. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Right after this on 95.7 The Game. Check the motion man. Purdy scans. There's Ayuk in the middle to the end zone. Touchdown. And there it is. They go up top. And Brandon Ayuk with a touchdown grab. Now, back to Steiny and Guru on 95.7 The Game. Mike Tirico with the call last night as the 49ers easily handled the Seattle Seahawks' final score of 31-13 to improve to 8-3. It's a Football Friday brought to you by First 5 California. To learn four things you can do to overcome toxic stress, go to first 5 California. Dot com. I do want to get more into that broadcast and that very, very bizarre, bizarre sort of meeting they had with Geno Smith yeah, why as he, was he worked on his again? elbow. He shirtless on the table? He was shirtless on the table because he was getting his work on his elbow. In You know how you – Yeah. Before yeah. a game. You had some PT going on. You'll have the broadcasters will go in and meet with various players, yeah. right? They have it in the conference room. They'll sit down with the quarterbacks and they just – they talk about things, talk yeah. about game plan, how you doing. Pre-game meeting. And so they felt as though they would do this with Geno Smith while he was getting worked on his elbow. I'll dive into that uh, coming up in just a Would that a not bit. be uncomfortable, like, to sit there and, like, have to watch him essentially get treatment on his elbow while he asks questions? Like, hey, Geno, like, how are you going to prep against Nick Bosa? Oh, i got to fix my arm for a second. Like, I feel like that's kind of weird. It was one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. <laughs> like, he's sitting there, and even from an optic standpoint – there's Tariko and Collinsworth while he's he's there with his shirt off, getting worked on his elbow, and they're sitting there go trying to have this conversation. It, it just looked idiotic. Now, I'm gonna give Geno Smith the benefit of the doubt that hopefully hopefully he wasn't trying to be that tough guy like, look, look at how yeah, strong. Yeah, I'm trying I am. to gutting it out, guys. I think <laughs> knowing a little bit about, you know, being in television for a while that maybe that was a producer. Usually it's one of you young coconuts <laughs> that are like, I got this great idea. Thinking out of the box, you know what? Because Here's how I think it went down. They said, hey, Geno Smith, uh, your availability to talk to the broadcasting crew, to talk to Tariko as well as Chris Collinsworth, it's going to be at such and such time. And then Geno Smith's people said, no, well, you know, he, that's when he's getting work on his elbow. Oh, I got this great idea. Perfect. Why doesn't he have his elbow <laughs> worked on in the conference room? We can show that. Get a picture for part the, of the broadcast. broadcast. <laughs> Let me just tell you. Producer, whoever came up with that idea, yeah. Put that one away. Yeah. You swung and you missed. That was just awkward, uncomfortable for all of us. Don't ever do that again. 49ers come up. Convincing winner <laughs> sets the stage now for Philadelphia. Philadelphia has lost just once in the season, 9-1. Their one blemish at the hands of the New York Jets. Yeah, without their two-stop corner or two-top cornerbacks in that game. Their Sostin defense was play. hurt. Yeah, which makes no sense whatsoever. I will tell you this. I don't know what's going to happen in that game, but Philadelphia – they, they come from behind, win against Kansas City, tip your hat. Playing in that rain, eh. you come up with a win. But when teams, anytime when they tell you, and I hear this a lot about Philadelphia, if you watch them at all this year, they've been on the ropes more than once. Oh, yeah. But people, when they say they find a way to win, they just find a way to win. To me, that's, that's another way of saying you're about to lose. You're about to take off. doesn't okay. mean that you're going to be – you're not going to be at the end of the season. You may come out of the NFC. But you got one coming. Yeah, you, you, you're going to take one squarely on the chops. Is that going to happen in 10 days? Could be. 
Could be. Let's talk a little more about Philadelphia and get out to the phone lines. They're open. They're packed. We start things with James. Off to Napa. Give me some tush push. What up, James? How are you today? Good. Thanks for taking my call. I I would like to see the Niners do something different for that tush push. I'd I'd like to see them put Hargrave in the middle and then put Banks and Buford and Feliciano on the defensive line. These are the biggest, strongest guys. And the offensive line for the Eagles always wins because they're bigger than the defensive line in that situation. And I'd, I'd love to see the Niners try something different, put their big meats in the beginning, and then let Fred Warner push them back onto Philadelphia. What do you think? Thanks, James. You know, everybody comes up with their ideas of how to stop yeah. this thing. <laughs> and my hat's off to Philadelphia because everybody now is trying the, the brotherly shove. Tush push. Or the yeah. tush push. Oh, yeah. But not to the success of these guys. Well, it's because they have players like Jason Kelsey in the middle just getting under, basically ground level with defenders, knocking their legs out in front of them. Like, we're seeing Jalen Hurts ride the wave of the offensive line for seven yards downfield. Like, they can run that play four times in a row the entire game, and they probably still win 21 to nothing. Like, that thing is unstoppable. Whether it's Kinlaw, Hargrave, Aaron Banks, or Feliciano, uh, I don't think anybody has an answer for it. No, and nobody's been able to stop it. No. And it's, now it's not like they you got to bring out the chains or they just got no, they, they push <laughs> that thing for like two or three yards. Yeah. It really does change the dimensions. It's not first and ten for the Eagles. It's first and nine, right? Honestly, it's like first and seven. First and seven. That's all they got. They just got to be in the neighborhood, and then it's a given that they're going to get that first down. Yeah. I think that you might see some rule changes. I'm just saying over the offseason. I think you're going to have to have rule changes. But then if you're Philadelphia, you're like, you know, you're just you're just singling us out. Anybody else can do it, and they try See, it at the collegiate level. People get creative with it. But here's the thing. You had a chance to win it all last year. Without it, you don't need it to win. It's almost like if they're going to complain, and okay, they're the one team that executes it to the top tier. I get it. But if they're going to complain about it, you were just in the Super Bowl last year without ever trying it once. You don't need it to win, and if you do need it to win, you're not really a good team. Like the rule change, I get if they're upset about it, but in reality, if you need that to actually win nine games this year, that's your own fault, not the NFL's problem. I would really like to know, and I'm sure, you know, they got video. Everybody breaks this down, but I would love to see somebody just what's in the secret sauce. I, I know they got Lance Johnson, and they got Lane, you know, yeah, yeah, they got Kelsey. They, these guys. You know, the, I get it, but there's just something I think it's I leverage, <laughs> it's angles. There's something more to it because I've seen teams load up with big heavies yeah, in the like, paint and just, you know, get stoned. Well, it's not like San Francisco's not going to put Hargrave and Kinlaw and Armstead and, and Bosa and Cleland. Like, they're going to have like a front eight with Warner and Greenlaw behind them punching the entire time trying to get the ball out. Like, they're, they're going to do their best, and I can guarantee you it's going to happen three or four times in that game. And Philadelphia is going to get a first down every single time. There are two coaches that have surprised me. I never thought Dan Campbell would be. <laughs> I love Dan Campbell. Oh, everybody does. <laughs> Did you think he would he would be on that team for more than eight months as the head coach after his ridiculous press conference? I can't say that I would you know, say that he'd be there longer than eight months, but I can say this. He's just a meathead who loves football, and everybody buys into that. He's a upper echelon Mike Singletary. Like We want winners, and we're going to make a winning team. I think it's a bit of a misperception. The meathead, I think everybody bought in, but I think that there might be something well, more to him. Because you got Ben Johnson behind him calling plays. Ben Johnson's He's been great. good, but, but they're buying in to whatever yeah. that guy has been selling. And the other is Sirianni. I didn't think Sirianni uh, would be this good. I can't good. stand that guy. Sirianni is just, did you see him after the win in Kansas well, City? in the tunnel, not out in, with the fans. He's too scared to do outside. He's out there, I'm going to get with you in the tunnel? It's very cowardly in my How opinion. How the hell is that thing working, But. He's been good. He He's is, been very good. I think he, next to Pete Carroll, might be like the most, as you would say, most punchable face in the NFL. Ah, oh, no. I love Pete. <laughs> like, Pete working the gum and walking the Dude. sidelines. Come on, man. When you get to 72 and you're that active, I mean, man, you'll tip your hat. What's the over-under of how, how many pieces of gum he chewed last night? <laughs> 75, maybe? He was throwing them at assistance last night when he was angry. I don't like, think he was angry. I just think <laughs> that's his nature. He's one of those. Just He's a hyper dude who's just like a hamster on a wheel. He's just got to go. Man. Let's get back out to the phone lines. Milbray, the location. Just give me Mark. What's going on, Mark, on this Black Friday? What's up, guys? Uh, 
one thought on the game last night before I talk about the Eagles. As far as uh, last night goes, to me, the key is we need to stop with the uh, debate that all the talking heads love to do. Is Brock Hurdy elite? Is he not elite? Because he does what's required of him to win games. You can be – look at the guy, Justin Herbert. We can all – we can all agree that he's a top-five QB talent, but he doesn't win any damn games. You can agree that uh, Josh Allen is an MVP candidate last year, or everybody says he's elite, and look at their record, and, and he turns the ball and throws picks. I don't care about any of that stuff. Uh, to me, Brock, Brock Purdy does what's required of him, and the, the key on this offense, to me, it's not Brock Purdy, it's, it's CMC, because I think, to me, he's as critical as this team to any player on any offense. I know quarterbacks only get all the love, but to me, CMC showing why he's the MVP in the league, and obviously they're never going to give it to a running back because everybody's so quarterback obsessed. If he goes off catching, running, he does all the little things last night. You see batter, bruised. He just, the Niners are unstoppable. And when he's clicking like it is, it opens the lanes up for Debo and Ayuk down the stretch and Kittle and that offensive line when Trent Williams is mauling people. And uh, Seattle's, I think they're they're just an average team now. Uh, Geno Smith had his great run last year, but you're seeing this year they're not going to even make the playoffs. To me, I think the the biggest factor, obviously, besides Dallas, that there's a bloodbath of years of hatred with that team, and now it's Philly because Philly has come in, punked them last year. Obviously, he got Purdy got knocked out, but the the guys, the thing is, Philly they find ways to win. You saw it again on Monday night. Uh, AJ Brown had one catch, and 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 and. And Hurst didn't even play well, and they still find ways to win. And I think, to me, beating Philly in Philly is going to be an ugly task. That's why I was hoping that Scatling was going to catch that deep bomb and upset them because you're two games behind. Winning Philly is probably the toughest place to play. Guys, how do you think they're going to pull this off? Because I don't think they can do it because the Eagles still don't have to even play a good game, and they still find ways to win minus that one uh, game against the Jets. Um, I just don't think they can win in Philly. That's the one roadblock, I think, for the Niners to get back to the Super Bowl. Your, your thoughts on that? Let me just say this, Mark. Just so that you can enjoy the rest of your weekend. All right? Just so that you can do whatever it is that you're doing on this Black Friday and Saturday if you want to, you know, pour yourself a tall one and relax. Just listen to the Coon and Uncle Danny. You've got a better team than Philadelphia. And Philadelphia is a good team. Star-studded. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts talked about that offensive line. Hassan Reddick, they're, they're a very talented team. Nobody can match up with the San Francisco 49ers. Nobody has this sort of talent, this sort of balance on both sides of the ball. I get it. There's always trepidation as fans, right? You always want to say, ah, I don't know about that row game here. God, it's Philadelphia. Do not be afraid of the big bad wolf. Now, look, it. does that mean the Niners will win? Not necessarily. Philly is legit, and playing in Philly is – you know, that's worth a field goal or so. But San Francisco on paper is the better football team. If San Francisco, just like anything else, you don't turn it over and you don't get hurt like losing Brock Purdy in the opening moments of a contest, you should and can beat Philadelphia. And we have no idea what's going to transpire this Sunday when they play Buffalo. Buffalo is a much, much better team at 125 starts than their primetime showcase might be. Like they're a much better game or team, and, and even then, are like, they? Well, I don't think they're a great team, but during day games, far better. They beat the Dolphins. Oh, at, is that right? Is that yeah? They're actually, proven? actually a much better team during the day. But uh, going back to to Mark's point, uh, Chris McCaffrey being the MVP, uh, the last time it's happened is 2012. Adrian Peterson. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. If it does, great. But I will say this. Christian McCaffrey is the most valuable non-quarterback offensive player in the entire league. Mm. What he's able to do for this offense, unlock weapons like Ayuk and aid Debo and Kittle, allow Purdy to have the ultimate check down to literally, you can give him the ball 20 times on the ground, he'll get you 145 yards like it's nothing. He is the ultimate weapon. I get Debo is is literally the wide back. He can thump you hard and Kittle over the middle. I get all that. Without Chris McCaffrey, this team is nowhere close to being a, dare I say, Super Bowl favorite. If he ain't playing, they ain't making it. That's just the way it is. I hear you, and I love me some CMC. I think that if you're going to make that statement of a non-quarterback most valuable player, and this is not to take anything away from Christian McCaffrey, but Tariq Hill 
Yeah, but he has to rely on the quarterback throwing him the ball. You don't need Brock Purdy to play for CMC to be great. Last year against Philadelphia, CMC was carrying the offense. It was a one-score game because Chris McCaffrey was single-handedly powering this team to staying alive. I, I get it. Tyree Kill having a great year. My fiance's fantasy team is riding high off Tyree Kill right now, and I am pretty pissed about it. But you take Tua out of the offense, that's a much different offense, a much different team, and his stats are not going to be as high. Christian McCaffrey with any quarterback, you put him on the Panthers now, I guarantee you they have four wins this year. He's a four or five win player. Like he's just that important to an offense. He's certainly vital. And I think that to the the larger point when you're talking about the San Francisco 49ers, and this gets back to when you know you're thinking about the Philadelphia matchup and any any game and any team that they play, including oh Kansas City, nobody has the sort of talent like that of San Francisco. We have not even got into the defense, which we will do coming up in just a bit. But the 49ers, it's almost unfair. It's almost unfair when you think about the development of Brock Purdy because that's the only that's the only hiccup. That's the only wart that was left is that Mr. Irrelevant getting the reps as he comes along, as he gets more comfortable, and as he learns the subtleties as I talked about, stepping up in the pocket, sliding to the left, sliding to the right, throwing that pass to Brandon Ayuk, which was just sick. Now it's just you know, it's unfair. You cannot compete with this football team. As good as anybody is out there, nobody matches up. Yeah, you have Christian McCaffrey, but for some reason, and Christian McCaffrey had a pretty pedestrian game last week, I want to say, against Tampa Bay. Didn't even have 100 yards, although he was good. But there was Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. And if it's not Brandon Ayuk, Debo was back. That looked like Debo of two years ago. Well, he just plays historically amazing against the Seahawks. He hates them as much as he hates the Rams. If he, he gets up for the Rams in Seattle every single year. And George Kittle. If you're going to stop, you know, the before mention, all those talented backs and skill set players, well, then here comes George Kittle finding a seam. Because George Kittle used to be the one dimension going back some four or five years ago. Yeah. And then it was Debo and they drafted him. It was all Debo when he got that big contract. Remember that? And now it's Christian McCaffrey. Oh, now it's Brock Purdy. And you put it all together, and it's just uncle. Like, I don't care how good you are defensively. There's just well, – you do not know it takes, where it is to go in terms of trying to defend the 49ers right now. Dare I say it takes a Browns team playing at a 50-year efficiency high to stop this offense. Like, the Vikings, this team beat themselves. The Bengals came in. They, they, they threw us around a little bit, but – their, their defense, like San Francisco was in that game, pretty throws two picks. Those are both bad throws on him. But the Browns like, needed to play 50-year career-high defense to stop this offense. And it even then came down to a Jake Moody missed field goal. And I think Philadelphia, if I'm not wrong here, they give up uh, 284 yards through the air each game. That ranks 31st in football. Like Purdy should be able to sling that thing around in 10 days in Philadelphia. I think it's going to be like Rocky. I don't know which Rocky 1, 2, or, or 9. When he takes that <laughs> shot from like Clubber Lang, and he's just like, you ain't so bad. Isn't that 3? Is it 3? I think it's 3. Because 4 is Dragon. You right? would have. You, I don't even, like, yeah, I don't, you've seen don't even love those movies, those. but you got 1 is Apollo Creed, 3 is Clubber Lang, and 4 is uh, Drago. 3. Yeah, 3. Who was 2 then? Oh, the rematch. Yeah, rematch. With Apollo. He takes that shot from Clubber Lang, Mr. T., the Pride of Chicago shout-out. And what does he say? You ain't so bad. There's going to be a moment in that Philadelphia game or Philadelphia because that's what happened last night. It's almost as you could feel, all right, it's Seattle, all right? It's the 12, it's Thanksgiving, it's a network game. You're up 24-3. Steve Kerr always talks about this. There's going to be a run, all right? He talks about this when he's in, like, those NBA championship games or in the playoffs, especially the younger players. Look at they're going to go on a run. Don't crap yourself. We'll be fine. <laughs> Stay within yourself. Just remember that we're the better team. We're going to be fine. We take a punch, but we counterpunch. And that's what happened last night. It's like they're going to, there's going to be a momentum swing. All right. There could be a momentum swing here. We'll take their best shot. But at the end of the day, just like every other opponent, we're the best team. Hmm. We'll be fine, which is why I loved last night more so than a perfect QBR rating that when you deal with a little adversity and you come back, and at the end of the day, despite the momentum, shift in that football game in that third quarter, 
you prove to everybody we're still the best. See, I would agree with you that, yes, like in the NBA, you can expect your opponent to make a run, whether it's the Warriors in Phoenix a couple nights ago in in Phoenix. Uh, Granted, there was no Scott Foster last night. Thank God there wasn't. But (laughs) I also don't like the idea that they're going to go on a run with Stan that when San Francisco left about 14 points on the board in the first half. Uh, How do you avoid them making the run? You put up 38 against them, which they very easily could have. And I get it. You're going to miss some opportunities. It happens. But... It feels as if San Francisco had a point or had a time to put that game away in the second quarter, and they failed twice. They got two takeaways, had the ball three times on Philadelphia's 43-yard line or even more there inside that, and they only scored three points. That can't happen. Like You have to capitalize off takeaways, off turnovers, and it felt like, well, yes, Philadelphia or Seattle's run's coming, it felt like San Francisco could avoid that entirely by just putting up and maximizing their points early in the game. I hear you. But part of the problem, Sterling, and I think you contribute to it because you Uh-oh. guys do such a good job. <laughs> you and Graham. By the way, I listened to you guys last night. My man Grandy and Sterling got you covered with the post-game show. Not only your post-game show, but post-game shows throughout the Bay Area, whoever it is. Well, J.D. on Warriors Wrap-Up? J.D. Warriors Wrap-Up. Everybody that's got an opportunity to talk about the 49ers just turning on their YouTube or on a blog of vlog, all these, these yo-yos that are now quote-unquote journalists, <laughs> is that everybody, yes, you can nitpick through a football game. I would say this, though, that if you win, especially against a divisional rival, a game by double digits, 18 last yeah. night, that's all that matters. Because throughout the course of a game, there's going to be ebb and flow. You're not going to be perfect. But I think that now, because we scrutinize these games, everybody's got opinions, right? <laughs> everybody's got a take that we're, we want perfection. You won 31-13, right. but it should have been 38 or 45. 31 on Seattle, hanging a 3-1 spot on them out there in the Pacific Northwest. I think the 49ers should be pretty satisfied. Well, it might go into it further that – I think had this exact game happen four years ago, like that is a we're popping bottles, we're pouring champagne, we're cheering. But now because we are this good, we beat them four times in a row. That it's like this is the expectation now. And when you don't play a perfect game, when you are now eight and three, now the number two seed in football with your eyes on the one seed in ten days, it's like hey, you have to play perfect against that team in Philadelphia. I get it, Seattle, and I get they've had your number for a long time. That is not the case anymore. That this is a team in Seattle that is not feared as much. They don't have the weaponry. Uh, DK Metcalf did nothing last night. Lockett did nothing last night. Their their offense didn't score a single touchdown last night. And I'm sitting back saying, wow, this game could have been 44-13. to 13. Like, maybe it's me being uh, greedy and saying, I, I want to crush them as much as I can. And yes, an 18-point game is just, that's already good in itself. But I do think... Maybe I am taking a win in Seattle that wasn't perfect, but still by 18 points for granted, knowing that we could push them so far in the mud and just relive all those losses in the playoffs against Legion of Boom and Russell Wilson. I can sit back and say, all's forgiven, all's forgotten. You no longer have our number. I want to beat them by 50 every single time we play them. Well, it's interesting when you think about the outlook following the game last night, and you're not wrong. But I just think collectively where there's this sort of opinion where people feel as though you could have scored a lot more. Yeah. You left some points on the board. Now, let's think about if we were to take the pulse of Philadelphia and you're doing sports talk radio again, there's this sort of consensus again that collectively they're like, we find a way to win. Yeah. We find a way to – so here's the collision course. One team is like, we beat them by 18. We could have beat them by 35. Yeah. <laughs> and the other team is, we're finding ways to win. We're coming from behind. Yeah. Which should tell you a lot as far as where these two teams are headed and just how good the 49ers are and how Philadelphia is just getting by. Would it be too far to say, and I think this Philadelphia team is far more talented than the Vikings last year, but the Vikings last year just found a way not to lose. You said it earlier, it feels like Philadelphia still a great team, ton of talent. Uh, they always find a way to win, but in that same breath, It feels like they're just finding ways not to lose. A lot of breaks go their way. Mahomes, Kelsey, turnovers in the red zone last week. It just feels like everything has gone their way for 10, 12 games this year. And now it's like San Francisco and them are almost opposite teams where 
Like you said, they're riding high after a win over Seattle, beat them 31 to the third. Game we're sitting back saying only 18 points, and Philadelphia is like, thank God we beat Kansas City, or we're sitting here sweating against the Bills on Sunday. Really quick, 5 1 0. I see you. We all know Danavone is lying. He doesn't listen. I was listening to the post game show, and they're saying the dog trainer proved that. Going back to the day, doing a show dog with my trainer. man, Chucky Walter, wow. and we didn't listen to dog trainers take for about eight minutes because I tuned him out after the first 10 seconds. Dog trainer, if you're around, call us in. We want to hear from all of you. 31-13, final score, 49ers take care of Seattle. It sets the stage against Philadelphia. Oh, man. Thank God it's not a big game out in L.A. or Seattle or some place that's light. Nah, it's Philadelphia. Philadelphia, where they boo Santa Claus, where guys fall off the top deck because they're too loaded, they get up and walk away and people boo. It's Philadelphia. It should only be right that it's going to happen out there. Ah, that's football in December. Although it's still November, I hear it. That Jimmy Jack, and I see you as well. All right, we continue. We're going to talk about the defense. We have yet to even get into that defensive line and the dominance on the part of Javarius Ward and company. A reminder, the segment is sponsored by the Golden State Warriors. Sterling Bennett alongside Dan Avone. We got you covered until 2 o'clock. Back with more right after this. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at 4. Donchich. The step back 3. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 